It was perfect, actually. A lot of bikers. <laughs> no, no, there wasn't a lot of bikers. It was hot. I'm telling you, it was hot, unlike unlike any heat that we get here. So this is the West Coast Project podcast for True Detective, episode 206, Church in Ruins. And my name is Mike. And I'm Michelle. Michelle, fresh back from vacation. Fresh, fresh well, back. Welcome back, Michelle. I feel bad. I have to call Jamie or get a hold of her because I told her she might have to do this week and I haven't talked to her. Oh, my God. So here it is. Uh, I, hey, Jamie, I appreciate you doing those other two so much. So much for two big reasons. One reason because... This has not been my favorite True Detective, and it has been really difficult to, like, <clears throat> kind of plow through these, and I really appreciate you taking that on, and um, you cannot imagine how bad the internet connection was down there. It was just tragic the whole time. Tragic. So, um, it was a huge help to prevent having to come back and do all that at one time, so thanks, Jamie. And stay out of my territory, bitch. No, it's not. I heard you. I heard no, no, you. no, no, no. If you, no, no. I love Jamie. Jamie's the best. Well, she says that about you. No, I'm just stirring up <laughs> shit. All right. Well, 206, Church and Ruins. Michelle, we missed the last two, and Jamie did fill in admirably, and we – Jamie really likes True Detective because she I told her she should come back because she hasn't seen season one, so she thinks this is really good season. Uh. Uh, she's really into it. She's into Colin Farrell. She thinks Vince Vaughn is awesome. Uh, she thinks the writing is awesome. Mm. So it's interesting and, to have her input without her having seen season one. Yeah, um, I, I got to listen to about uh, – I think I listened to episode four that you guys did. I didn't get a chance with all the other catching up to listen to episode five yet. But Jamie truly does have like this really fresh perspective on it and everything. And I appreciate that. And um, um, Jamie and I normally agree. Even when I'm listening to you guys, Americans podcasts and stuff, I am 90, at least 80, 85% on Jamie's side when you guys differ on stuff. And, it's so weird to hear her um, feeling completely almost different on True Detective. So I really am wondering now how much is perspective. Well, she stands up to me better than you do, too. She she's holds her line way stronger than you do. Really? You, okay. tend to, you tend to agree with me to, like, get along with me. And she's like, oh, I don't think that. That's absolutely the different opposite exact opposite of what i think good you, grief mike that's not true you hardly I mean, ever say that to me well maybe we just agree because i mean the louis stuff and stuff we have like fought that's like like almost carried over into our friendship parts and stuff these these disagreements that we've had and stuff it's like it creates this like tension even in our friendship so we don't I'm have not... any friendship this is all professional michelle oh, sorry okay. if that wasn't clear to you Okay. Okay. My bad. Maybe right. maybe that's wrong. All right. So 206, Ray and Frank have a continuation of their their ending of 205, where Ray showed up at the door. Right? Or is this a new? Is this a new one? Because he kind of says, I think it's a continuation. He lets them in. They sit down and have coffee. 
Well, yeah, this this one starts, the other one ended where he knocked at the door. Um, I got to watch these while I was on, on vacation, but all I did was literally watch them. There was no pause, there was no rewind, there was no closed caption, there was nothing. It was like watch it with a bunch of people in the room. So I got to watch it like a normal kind of television show. And so I, I have seen episodes four and five, but I, I did not go back and rewatch them. And um, and so I just saw them without note taking or anything like that. Um, but yeah, episode five ended where Colin Farrell knocked on Vince Vaughn's door and kind of said he had a bone to pick with him. And then this one starts up with them actually having that meeting, I think. So everything we thought, I don't know what you, what you and I thought or what Jamie and I thought, but everything we kind of thought is true. The killing of this rapist was just for Frank's benefit. He had he had Ray kill some guy that he wanted killed, and then he also, in doing that, put Ray into his indebtedness because he's like got this cop, this dope on this cop now. Well, right, and that's what Ray's saying to him. But so you don't believe Frank that that was innocent on his part? You think he did set Ray up? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think he did too, but I wasn't. Sh- I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced of it because Frank says that that he didn't do it to that he had good intentions of doing it. And by the way, that is how they met. I think um, you and Jamie had talked about how Ray and Frank met, and I think that that's how they met. That Ray got the tip that this guy Frank knew who had hurt his wife. Yeah. I'm sure Frank sought it out and then planted that tip and then made it a connection and sure. Sure. He set it all up. That's his long game. That's what he does. Oh, Oh, and one other thing, and I'm not sure if you guys covered it or not, but the beginning song that I have just like fast forwarded through so much in this because it's so reminiscent of what they did the first in season one that was so good that's not i didn't think now do you realize that they're like giving tips and clues and stuff to the episode and that it's a different song yeah well that makes that really good That, that has changed my complete opinion about that what tip did you get from this this week's preview oh i didn't i didn't because i really wasn't as engaged in it but i wish now that i had went back and listened to it all as it as it unfolded well Um, you might be the only one that wishes that (laughs) so this scene (laughs) was kind of cool this scene was kind of cool because as they're sitting at the table at with the coffee and the guns underneath the table there's the camera trigger of picture the camera flashes going off of that torture room and it makes it look like the snapshots of the camera are the gunshots almost in between the guys at the table right they're in that little torture cabin um and the, they find out i guess at the cabin they jump between the scene in frank's kitchen and the torture cabin that this torture scene was weeks old it hasn't just happened it's been a while right, right. um but so they go back to the coffee meeting with the guns on the t- under the table and um, they find out or they share the information that Blake's been running girls behind Frank's back. I guess Ray tells him this with those Eastern Bloc girls that are dolled up by the surgery from Pitler, Rick Springfield Pitler, to <laughs> right. get them all hotted, hotted up for the rich guys in the Bohemian Grove. Um, and that Casper, 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 Casper was going to those parties. Right. And um, Ray wants to find out. Uh, he wants the info on the rapist and 
um, the hard. So they essentially they make this deal for the hard drive for the info on the rapist. Well, I'll trade you. Well, it's not the the info on the rapist. I think he wants Frank to get to the rapist. Right? He knows who the rapist is because the police have already told him that. I thought he wanted Frank to get to the rapist in prison. No, Ray goes right to. Oh, uh, maybe I guess. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe that because, I, I didn't see it that way. I thought Frank told the trade was Frank told him who the rapist was, and then he found out. Well, no, I mean his uh, the police had already told him that the rapist was caught. And I mean that wouldn't be that hard to figure out. You could find out who did that. Mm, yeah, I, I assumed that he already knew who he was, but he wanted you know Frank to I don't know you know get to him or help him out to get I I don't know. So he's going like to do that. a Walter White Nazis trick in prison on the rapist. I don't, I don't know. Like, get the rapist. But he he says that when you're out, I'm going to skin you alive. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Would Ray get enjoyment if somebody else did it? Ray seems like a hands-on guy. Well, that's that's a good question since you brought that up. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And the whole conversation that they had back and forth, that was actually really interesting to me. I know that you and I had texted a couple times, and I had said that this this episode – got it it's not good to me because i'm still coming off of season one but but this was a whole lot more interesting in a lot of different ways and um the conversation that they had where frank says that ray used what he told him to become what he had always wanted to become essentially and that he just needs to own it and I don't know, it kind of had like this fallback to the Walter White thing to me, where Walter White kind of used his his illness to become who he wanted to become. And so maybe Ray did want to do this himself. Well, everybody's always got everything inside them of everything they're ever going to become, whether you use it or not. You know, I think Frank's just a manipulator. He just twi- oh, he just yeah. he just fuels things one way or pulls them back pulls back on them another way until he gets what he wants. Yeah, I agree. But I thought he did say, "I'll trade you info on the rapist for the hard drive. You help me find the hard drive, and I'll get you the info on the rapist." So I don't know whatever that means. Um, Jordan sees all this kind of behind the scenes outside the kitchen or hears it, and she walks up looking a little worried, like, "Holy cow! You guys just held guns on each other." Yeah, she's she's the one actor. I gotta tell you, Vince Vaughn. I'm start I'm starting to come around on him. This was much better. I thought the acting was much better. He was much more believable in a lot of the stuff he did. He's turning into this like bad guy that I dislike, but but I believe him anyway. Jordan. Everybody loves her, and I just cannot get behind this actress yet. I don't know why. I mean, she's she, very pretty. She's not that important to the plot, though. She's kind of a second tier. I don't even... I don't think I love her or hate her. I just don't... She's just kind of functionary to me. Some people say that she has... I was reading a couple of comments on various uh, places that blog about it and stuff, and a lot of people really hold her up as being like almost like the person who holds up the show and holds up Frank and has all this importance and all this kind of stuff. And I don't know that she doesn't have a lot of nuanced kind of importance, but the actress, she just seems to have this blank look on her face a lot of the time. And I, I don't know. I have a hard time with it. Eh, she can't even get pregnant. 
Mike. All right. So we go back to the cabin, the torture cabin. The sheriff's police now are wrestling for the case. The Northern California sheriff might be the Sonoma County sheriff if they really are in Guerneville. Uh, wrestling for the case with uh, Annie and, and this Davis. I guess Davis is the black cop. Um, but they find out that they're 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 working all these different angles: the parties, the girls, the diamonds, to trying to find out you know find all this information. And um, then we do jump back. They, there's a lot of jump cuts in this mm-hmm. in this whole episode. They jump from one to the other and then back scene mm-hmm. scene wise. So Rago back to L.A. Ray goes to see the rapist. That's kind of why I thought the information, because he went right after he saw Frank. Why would he even go to Frank? He'd go right to the rapist. But anyway, 11 years ago, his wife was an attorney in an underground parking garage, and she got raped by this guy. I guess she's still an attorney, huh? I didn't know if I knew that. No, I don't I don't think we knew that either. But, but see, Frank acts like he doesn't even know that the guy just got caught. So he couldn't have found out right then the information and then went there. Because Frank's like, I told you who did it way back when. I mean, he would really be telling on himself if he just turned around and gave him the immediate information right there. I don't know. No, he kind of admitted. They, well, they knew. He didn't te- have to tell on himself. He knew. He he got accused and he said, yeah, you're right. I, I did that. No, he, he didn't say that. I didn't hear him say that he set him up he said he gave him good information it was the information that he had at the time besides that fact the guy was a was a i don't know what he called him a low life a dirt bag or whatever anyway right right well whether he said i did it purposely or not he said i did it i gave you that information it it turned out to be the wrong guy but he doesn't deny that he gave him the information no no we know he gave him the information on the first guy from episode one but he still maintains as far as he knows frank i mean that that's the guy who did it yeah so he could still say okay now i found out who the real I, you know i don't know it doesn't matter I don't know. it I doesn't guess. matter he found that he goes in and sees the guy um and he tells him all this stuff he's gonna cheese grater the guy he doesn't want somebody else to kill this guy i don't think he wants to do it himself well you may have a point yeah but the guy wasn't red-headed yeah, the guy doesn't look like the right guy. He doesn't look like uh, the kid's father, for sure. He actually looks like a nice guy. Looks like a decent guy. But I guess you can't tell. I mean, I he's kind of, kind of. he doesn't look like a dirtbag. He looks like a, you know, he looks tough, but he doesn't look like a, I don't well, know. Other people look dirtbaggier in this show than he did. Well, the guy tells him, though, that he has a brain injury and he doesn't remember anything. And that's what they're telling him that he did to begin with. So who knows? Yeah, that's always a good fallback excuse, too. (laughs) Okay. Works for me. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul goes to see the diamond guy and he traces the diamond to this Hollywood robbery back in 1992. And what I got from this, Michelle, from Tennessee is that... 1992 was the Rodney King uh, riots in L.A. LA Mm -hmm. So the Sable, fine Sable jewelry store, the husband and wife were killed in the midst of these riots, kind of fake, like the the riots were the cover-up for them getting killed. Right. Right. Like a lot of big crimes are done in situations where there's a lot of chaos going on. Right. An opportunity for the big crime to go on and happen. 
And so this is where season one starts to come back to life because here these kids of this, these people, this husband and wife in the jewelry store, kids had to hide in the back, like for, almost like Frank in the basement, locked in the basement for five days. These yeah. poor kids had to hide in a cabinet, and then they ended up in the orphan in the foster home system or whatever, state system. It was it was like season one almost. These kids, like remember the two kids that were stuck in Reggie Ledoux's hideout? Oh yeah, yeah. Seemed like a like a reference almost to that. Yeah, it was almost like they borrowed that from that because it had such a personal meaning and everything to see those kids. But have you heard the theory about these kids and who they are? I mean, it's just like blown up everywhere who these kids are potentially now. That they're, uh, is it Chisani? Am I saying that right? Yeah, the mayor, Chisani. Yeah, yeah, his his grown kids are these kids. And there's people who are putting up, like, photos of the adult Chisani's kids beside the photo that's shown of these little kids back then. And the whole theory behind that, I don't know. So what's the theory? Um, the theory is, is that the mayor took these kids and they, and that, that they didn't end up in there. Now, why, you know, um, many different things people are saying because, you know, maybe it was to pacify his wife who, you know, wanted children. These kids came up and maybe it had to do with Casper that, um, Oh, I can't even remember that part of it now. It's so, so much. That wouldn't be good, though, because there's already another plot where the guy's wife wants kids and they can't have kids. And they they duplicate that with another guy? I know, I know. But they're talking about, you know, what's it called? Chekhov's gun? Am I saying that right? Where what's the reason to put that in here? If those don't kids know. don't Maybe end the, up being somebody. Well, they don't. They could be somebody, but they don't have to be Chisani's kids with a wife who couldn't have them that wanted kids. Just like, <laughs> just well, like uh, Ray or Frank and Jordan. Well, plus it doesn't go along with the storyline that that she told anyway about her mother. You know, the girl Chisani's daughter told about her mother dying it doesn't really fit but anyway that's what people are saying that they have to be somebody because otherwise there's no point in the story behind these kids Well, they could be a lot of things and not be that though i'm gonna send you the pictures though so annie and her sister athena are planning this start not planning but at least athena's telling annie what to expect in northern california nanny's annie's doing the knife practice on the wooden figure in her that's her workouts, just stabbing the wall with a knife. I bet that would be harder than than you'd think it would be. That was pretty impressive, I gotta say. Um, and then Frank and Jordan are talking again now to Joyce, Stan's wife, and they yeah. give her money. Um, and she asked now she asked them if Blake is still following her, her following her, and Frank says no, but Blake's right outside. Isn't that Blake right outside the <laughs> right outside the house following her? Well. He came with Frank, though, right? Or no? Because that's what I assumed. I don't know. I, don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was. First of all, was it? But was it Joyce's house or Frank and Jordan's house? It was Joyce's house because the the son was outside throwing the ball. So I think it was the, their house. Oh, and the kid was there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, but just, but they showed that guy almost like no, nobody's following you. But then they show him standing outside like. I don't know. 
Well, she was just telling Frank that he came by and, you know, was asking her questions about did Stan talk to her about this, you know, stuff. And um, I don't know. I know, but Joyce does not want a guy following her, I don't think. And this guy Blake and and Frank says, no, no, don't worry, he's not. And then he's right outside. I don't think Frank knew. I think Frank was surprised by that. Did you not get that impression? Yeah, I don't. uh, First of all, I'm not sure Joyce doesn't want Blake following her to protector but i don't know i get i got the first impression is that she didn't like somebody following her frank said no he's not but then they then they made a point to show him standing outside like he's keeping an eye on things so i don't know it was a mixed message yeah um so the kid the kid is having a hard time without her father without his father and uh we jump away from that we're gonna come back to it but they Mm -hmm. i guess the kid's name is mikey too so they, they jump away from that and show Ray trying to build this model of a stealth bomber with Chad. Chad's not interested because it kills people. And um, and the observer woman is there, the observed custody. Yeah, um, that was harsh. Visitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chad just wants to watch Friends and eat pizza. He doesn't want to build a machine of death with his daddy. Yeah, and I think that really gave Ray this even more idea of how different he and Chad are. Because they're so different. In every way. So Ray tries to talk to the observer, and she kind of shuts it down, and it's mm-hmm. a pretty uncomfortable scene. Yeah, it is. Make, Ray just makes Chad know, don't worry, I'm your father, I'll always be your father. It's almost another goodbye scene between Ray and Chad. Yeah, and they already had the one where he came with the watch. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was odd, too. The watch or the badge, you mean? The badge? The badge, the badge. Sorry, yeah. Chad just is eat, eating pizza, getting fatter and slothier. Uh, and Ray goes home and drinks some tequila and does coke and drinks beer and smokes and punches and kicks and. I thought he was going to kill himself. I really did because they they made a real specific issue of showing him pull out his uh, gun and lay it down, and then he does all the other stuff. And this is his bender, right? Because he's been clean for like sixty days. From what he said before. Yeah, this is an unbelievable – because like in a, in a day or later that evening or in a day or even two days, he's going to go up to Northern California and do this caper and he's going to be like chipper as a squirrel running around and you just don't Nobody recover. did that at the beginning. Remember I know, I know. He was in the bar and he was like passed out drunk in the bar and then he gets the call when they find Casper and he's just like Johnny on the spot and shows up. So that's – the second time, at least, they've shown that. Yeah, it happens with Annie, too. She takes the drug, and then she throws it up, and she's fine in five minutes. And, by the way, I'm pretty sure that you can't throw up a drug that is like a spray. Because it never even really makes it. It's almost like a sublingual, right? Well, they did the spray, but she, they also took the pill, the little blue pills. No, the blue pills were Viagra, weren't they? Oh, I don't know. I think there were like bottles of like, you know, overflowing cups of Viagra sitting around for the men. Oh, I thought I they know. took a pill too. I didn't see. I don't know. I didn't see that. I've never tried Viagra, so I don't know. Okay, I never needed it, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Frank and Mikey now talk outside, and and Frank consoles him. This is no, this is stupid to me too because he tells him he can learn from the bad things in life. Pain makes you a better man, Mr. 12-year-old kid. It's pure gold. You can use it. It's valuable to you. The kid is fucking 12 years old or 
11 or 13 or whatever. You can't use this advice. No, you need to you just gotta say something. Yeah, I mean, but you don't you tell say? him absorb your pain, go into it. It's pure gold. It'll be really valuable to you. He's not going to get that. Well, I don't think he said the pain was gold. I think he said that the kid was gold. The kid was made of pure gold, and this would like help to reveal that in due time or something. That's what I heard him say. But I mean, I thought he tried, and I thought it was really interesting too because we've had so much talk about Frank and fatherhood and all that kind of stuff and how he didn't want to take on somebody else's burden or however he put it about adopting a child some horrible way. And then he goes out there and has this really kind of, for him, a tender moment and the kid seems to respond to it. Now, whether or not it would work like that, you know, who knows, but it was conflicting of how they've made him be, I felt like. Mm, I don't mind that. That just good shows when a, when a character changes, learns new information and changes. It just makes it more interesting. No, well, that's actually what I was saying. It's so conflicting to the darkness that he's shown before that it was an interesting take. Yeah, but if Frank was just dark, dark, dark the whole time, he'd be boring. He's he's layered. It's it's actually better that he's complicated like that. Like we kind Frank of, is the only one that's wanna, not dark all the time. Well, Ray Ray wants to build a model with his. He wants to take care of Chad. Oh, that's pretty. Ray nice. is yeah. He's not yeah. He loves Chad, but Ray is the darkest character I believe I've ever known. Yeah, but he's not all dark. He's got some niceness to him. He wants to. He's worried about Annie. Saved Annie. I don't know. They're all they're layered. I'm not trying to save this show, believe me. But um, anyway, I didn't think that advice scene was that good. So Ray calls his ex next and gives up custody if she'll drop the paternity test and not tell, or at least not tell Chad. I guess that he's not the father. Which I don't know why that's important to him that Chad doesn't know. I think he doesn't want Chad to know that he could be the product of that kind of violence. I think that'd be a really terrible thing, a legacy for a kid. That's what I took it as. Well, anyway. that he should say that to the wife then, just so she knows. She, she just says, please do it for me. Please, please, please. He doesn't Rod. really try to persuade her. He just kind of leans on their old connection and says, please just do it for me, and I'll, and I'll give you the freedom from me of, I don't know. Right. But that's a good take. If, you, if that's true, that makes Ray have even more of another gleam of niceness about him that he doesn't want the kid to see that pain i think he's willing to do the best he can by chad which i don't know that he's the best role model for the kid actually i know he's not but everything he does for chad seems sincere and you know or he's trying something anyway so frank and his henchmen now are torturing some guy michelle Lito amarillo's uh, gang member um, and by the way, Michelle Amarillo, yellow in Mexican and Spanish. Oh, Mexican. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, yellow King, just saying, more yellow. Wow, wow, okay. And um, he finds out that this lady, Irina Rufio, Rufo, pawned the Casper stuff, the diamonds, for $500 on anything she could get from the pawn shop. Uh, and then he sees something about Santa Muerte. What's that? That's some sort of. Was that a name or was that some sort of a. a like a event like it's death muerte is death oh i don't saint, know saint death <laughs> um i don't know and they torture this guy till he gives the info pretty effectively they shoot nails into his or needles or something into his hand and into his back 
Yeah, it was nails. The, the, the guy was, yeah, yeah, shooting those like a one of the manual nail guns or something. Tells him next nail, it's a thousand bucks or another nail you'd pick. Nail in the eye or a thousand through bucks. the eye, right? And the guy gives up the info that it's in El Monte. This this lady Arena is in El Monte, another city in Southern California. Um, so next we see the magnificent trio meeting up. And uh, they give Annie – that's uh, that's uh, Frank, Ray, and Annie. Mm-hmm. Or not Frank, uh, oh. Paul, Ray, and Annie. Mm-hmm. They give Annie the tracker, and she uses the name Athena. She's going to use the name Athena as she goes up north. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Her sister's name. So Frank goes to El Monte. They meet the Mexicans and the Cisco kid. <laughs> and they have an actual Mexican standoff, Michelle. Yeah, that's uh, what he said. One off the bucket list. Now, Ray's actually used to this because he just had this standoff with Ray. Uh, Frank's used to it because he had the standoff with Ray. Right. Standoff practice. And if they helped him, um, if they help him, he'll let him sell the drugs through his club. Wasn't that kind of like monstrously coincidental that these same guys were the guys whose house he got led to? looking for Irina. Remember, these were the guys who came in after what's-his-name was killed and and said that they wanted to do business with him now or want a partner now, and he said he didn't want a partner. And Yeah, remember? well, they're the Mexican cartel. They're the ones that want to move the drugs. But that's not kind of coincidental that that's exactly the place that he was sent to looking for Irina Rufo. I don't know. I just thought that was everything is a little bit too coincidental in this. Every single thing leads back to Casper, even down to Vera. I don't think it's coincidental. I think it's connected. Yeah, but everything wouldn't be. Well, maybe. I don't know. Why would Irina be connected to the missing diamonds and Casper? I don't know. I just thought, well, I understand why it's just connected to Casper. Kind of, maybe. But I don't, I don't know. I just thought that connected to the Mexican guys, it just seems like every, I mean, their house, their actual address. It's not their house. They just showed up at the house. No, I think it was their house, wasn't it? No. Those guys don't. We haven't seen them. Because they know he's going to go there. These this is these people are all connected to the crimes and in, in all different angles from from all different angles, but they're all connected. It's not like that was their house. In okay, so what you're saying is is that the guy who was nail gunned then went back to them and told them where he had sent Frank, probably, right? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, or and they th- or and they th- showed up there, or they or their in their daily actions of being criminal go in and out of that house or get info from people. Yeah, I don't think that was their house that they live in. Okay, well, that makes a little more First sense. First of all, I don't think they live together, the Cisco kid and the chief. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's a good point. That's actually a good point. Um, but Frank still wants to know this, the, who, who, who this arena can tell him because that's the guy that set him up to lose his money, right? That, that's how he lost his $7 million. Okay. From the Casper deal that went south. Right. Yeah, but... That's because of what did you just say? That she knows who robbed or killed Casper, and that's the, if she can tell him who that other mysterious person is, he can Frank can then go after that person to get his money. 
Right. I don't know that she knows who would ki- who killed Casper, but she would know. And she and she did kind of tell him a little bit later on who gave. She didn't tell him who, but that's you know that the guy gave her the money, gave her the diamonds to sell. Well, that is the guy. That is the guy who killed Casper and who took Frank's money. I think. How do we gu- know it's the guy who killed Casper? Because the guy, I think the guy who killed Casper was the Falcon, the Maltese Falcon guy. Okay, the guy who. Then stole the yeah thing. he stole he stole Frank's money he stole the diamonds these are and, all payoffs for this real estate deal I think and potentially the hard drive from his house that we're looking at and everything but I didn't I didn't really connect that I thought that it could have been anybody on down the line I didn't know it had to actually be his killer but I guess that makes more sense you so, know like the killer gave it to somebody or whatever so at the party I don't know how soon this is after the hangover that we just talked about but Ray and Paul move in and Ray's all in prime fighting condition again and um, we're going to jump around again pretty quickly mm-hmm. here too but they're, they're on their way to the party Frank talks to Irina in person and or not in person on the phone and right. finds out that she got 500 plus what she could pawn and um, Frank's Frank asks her if Lido killed Casper, and she says it was another dude, and who she thinks is a cop, a thin white cop with no uniform. Yep. So Frank's going to give her a thousand bucks if she'll just meet with him and look in his eyes and look in his pics, look at his pictures. Right. See if it's the guy. Right. And when he gets there, she's dead. Um, she's dead for talking to or working with the cops, per the the Mexican cartel code of killing anybody. I guess that talks to any cop ever. And but they still want their deal. That was funny. The Cisco kid and the chief still want their deal because he get to see her in person, even though she's dead. Yeah, I mean, would Frank go along with that? You think? Is 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 he going to go along with that? Do you think? It looked almost resignedly sheepish. Like, oh shit, you got me. I guess I am seeing her in person. He didn't yeah. look at them like you fuckers. You screwed me over. He looked at he looked at them like you got me. No, he he kind of you know fussed at him. You know why would you have to kill her and everything? And then of course they said because she spoke with the cops. But yeah, he did look almost resigned, which was surprising. I didn't think he would look like that. I thought it would be more of a fight. But I don't guess we know yet exactly what how that's. Gonna so be Michelle, going. let me ask you about this because prof- you're a professional healthcare person, <clears throat> and because you and I also do. Um, we also do Halt and Catch Fire, and there's drugs in Halt and Catch Fire called MDMA. Is mm-hmm. MDMA the same as Molly? I actually looked it up, and I think MDMA, from what I could understand, was like the precursor to Molly. Is well, what this I is why I think those pills were what were giving those girls the, the high. Because in Halt and Catch Fire, they take like some pill that's the mdma to get high and go dancing and clubbing and stuff right and it seemed like the same state that annie was in it's like dreamy you know it isn't like you're all fucked up it's like it's kind of like high dreamy right ethereal yeah i'm i'm pretty sure that the pills were supposed to be viagra for the guys i could be wrong maybe there were more than one type of pill though maybe there was i didn't see her take a pill I might need to go back and watch that because I did not see her do that. I would think she would, you know, cheek appeal being a, you know, a cop and everything. There's no way. The thing about that spray is that it's absorbed like in your mouth. A lot of it is. So, you, yeah, there's nothing in your stomach spot. to throw. Right. Out. Right. So Annie goes through this party all drifty in the Molly state and some old guy tracks her down and wants to be with her because she's more mature looking. And she grabs it. Um, she grabs some knife off a table 
kind of, of now thing. that's a Chekhov's knife if there ever was one from that girl's oh, yeah, hobby yeah. as knives. Um, and Paul and Ray continue to sneak up, and miraculously they find the exact room that they need to see with McCandless and Osip in it. Yeah. Um, and then Annie, during this sneaking around or drifting around in a Molly state, has a flashback to her childhood of abuse with some guy that was probably connected to her father. Man, there was a lot of information on that, too. A lot of theories running wild on that. You know, was this a guy from from her childhood? Was it just a dream state that she was having or like a bad trip? Was it maybe somebody else that then she then, you know, turned into this face? What? Are we going to end up knowing the guy and she just, you know, put this face on him and everything? So I don't know. I think it's real. I don't think they can show it to you and expect you to figure out, oh, it's just not real. She's just dreaming it. I mean, it's good enough for me. I don't need to know any more about that. I, I think she was molested as a kid in the crappy care of her dopey father. Yeah, that commune place or yeah, whatever. Cause yeah, because he was taking her into like this hippie Volkswagen van type thing. It looked pretty... They looked pretty commune wherever she yeah. was. To look for a unicorn, right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she then forces herself to throw up, and we talked about that, and she recovers, right. like, instantly. Yeah, no. Um, so Ray and Paul grabbed those papers. I guess they were contracts from McCandless' desk. Yeah, with all the stuff on it. They walked in at the exact moment when Osip and uh, McCandler was was having that conversation Basically about the same deal, if I gathered it right, that Frank had had with Casper and Catalyst. And McCandless, you know, is is from Catalyst, right? Yeah, he's he's the, he Catalyst. runs it. Right. So it's they're, they're basically saying, almost outlining the same deal that Frank had had, which, come on. I mean, they happen to be there at that exact moment. When they're at this orgy party that they're doing business, he sees where they put these documents that have everybody's signature on it. I think that was a big bite to swallow right there. So Annie sees Vera now, the missing Vera, and also helps her. Another they, big bite to swallow. Yeah, this is all sex machina, right? It's all put there like so conveniently to make it like, okay, here's the solution to that. Now here's the solution to this. Right. And plus their escape from this club with all these oh, guys. First of all, two two like compromised state women trying to run with their dressed up clothing down a steep walkway. Drugged, drugged women. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Messed up, like yeah. like. And anyway, Annie punches and stabs her way out of it, and the guy bleeds out. The, the, that was kind of interesting. That the bleed out is shorter time than the choke out. Like she knew she could count on the guy to bleed out in under a minute then it would take her to she could hold her breath long enough to make it while right. the guy bled and, out well yeah but i mean how would you know he wouldn't just crush her trachea right there in place of just hold her up by it number one and number two the guy didn't even realize he'd been stabbed i don't think anyway i thought that was kind of michelle if you're just gonna pick on this show i don't it's, sorry it's not enjoyable <laughs> sorry so they find out the contracts that they took out of the desk have signatures all over them so it looks like they're they have the upper hand now because they have all these connected people with their signatures and it ends and that's it for 206 all right michelle thankfully there's only two more 207 and 8 this is only an eight episode season 
but that was it for Church in Ruins on West Coast Project. And if you want to reach me, you can connect to me on Twitter at Scathing Tweets. And how about you, Michelle? Um, I'm at Michelle from TN. Got anything else for Church in Ruins? Uh, no, but I am glad it was a little better. I thought it was a little better. So. Okay, so next week it's 207 Black Maps and Motel Rooms. Okay. And then it finishes up with Omega Station. Okay. All right, Michelle, so I'll see you next week, Black Maps and Motel Rooms. See you then, Mike. All right, bye. Bye Bye-bye.